Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia Odom. Pod for episode number 64. I am, of course, here with Esther, and our guest this week doesn't need much of an introduction. She is New Zealand's fastest woman, recently broke the Oceania 100 meter record. This weekend, just been ran the fastest 100 meter time ever on Australian soil. Zoe Hobbs is not only an incredible athlete, but also a co founder of a nutrition startup called Athos. Zoe is the epitome of hard work and self-belief. After missing the last Olympic qualifying standard by 0.17 seconds, Zoe now holds a PB of 10.97 seconds and is well on her way to the Paris Olympics in 2024. Zoe has had her own challenges, but New Zealand is incredibly proud of our golden superwoman, and we are so excited to have her on the pod today. Zoe, welcome to the FemiPod. Thank you so much for having me. It'll be great to have a chat today. Yeah, thanks. I was so excited to chat and so pumped uh, of having you on the pod straight after, obviously, cracking the 11-second barrier, which I know something that you've probably had on your mind for a very long time. So congrats on your incredible run on the weekend. It's absolutely insane. How are you feeling? And yeah, how's the high afterwards? Uh, I'm still definitely riding the emotional high. It's been quite a lot to sort of process, and it's been a massive two weeks because even the national champs was not expected to run the sub 11, even though it was a windy time. It's just incredible. And it's beyond where we were sort of hoping to open and especially coming back from an injury as well. So it's pretty exciting for the year ahead and really reassuring, um, especially after the journey that I've had in athletics to finally crack that 11 second barrier. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, it's been so amazing just being on the sidelines, watching you just get faster and faster and like really prove yourself. It's so awesome. And especially after the injury that happened earlier in this year, can you just talk us mm-hmm. through like what was that injury? How did it happen? And you've obviously come back to run so fast. Like how did you turn it around so quickly? Yeah, um, so I injured myself. It was actually a re-injury. So I first injured my hamstring beginning of around beginning of December. That's why I missed nine to fives took our time with that it was only a 1a tier this is actually the first time I'm talking about it but I mean it's in the past now so it doesn't actually matter the only reason why I didn't really want to talk about it at the time of the injury was because I'd rather just get on with my own business and not have people in there while I'm injured but it was 1a to begin with and then I fully recovered and then it was the 30th of uh, December literally around new year and I re-injured it and then I couldn't re-scan until everything opened back up you know, like scanning clinics and things. And it turns out it was a 2B. It's a little bit worse than the first time. And just, yeah, I think it was roughly another seven weeks on top of that of rehab. Um, I'm really lucky that I've got a great team around me. So coach James Mortimer, Simon Chatterton as strength coach, and then Livy as a physio, as well as the high performance team. And they they were incredible throughout that whole process because they gathered weekly, um, readjusted the program depending on how I was feeling daily and weekly, everything was done to a T and if it wasn't for them then I wouldn't have come back in the shape I was in but training prior to that was also going really well so it was a bit of a bummer that the injury happened and I just wanted to maintain as much of that work that I'd put in as possible and maybe having the different type of stimulus in training doing the rehab program could have been a good thing because I'd never gone through a long rehab process like that before so 
maybe I'm, I'm wondering if like doing different types of training introduce new stimulus I'm not too sure but I think also as well when you're injured you're super determined so like everything was I was trying to make the most out of every single session yeah crazy you have such an amazing team around you I saw that article in locker room about Livy your amazing physio and also training partner so it must be really cool to have like that close relationship alongside you uh, and backing you as your physio um, but yeah I totally agree with that rehab thing I have had injuries before and done a lot to like strengthen glutes and stuff because quite often that's the thing that probably a lot of people are lazy on but I found <laughs> yeah coming back from that I ended up running really well as well so maybe there's something in that <laughs> we yeah we can all learn from that <laughs> yeah 100 you kind of touched on a little bit then about like your mindset and not sort of sharing like going through your injury but how do you get your mind in the right place before races and and feel really prepared mentally do you have like a strategy that you use uh I finally started to see a psychologist to a sports psychologist to help with some of my thinking around racing I think I'm very lucky that I've had a lot of experience growing up um doing competitions and from a young young age feeling the pressure so I feel like I've sort of adapted over time and managed to handle my nerves a lot better than what I did as a kid <laughs> when I'm thinking on the line uh I'm sort of just trying to block out what's going on next to me it's funny because in Sydney I didn't actually know it was a full stand until after I'd finished the race so that's how much I was just with my blinkers on and yeah and in 100 you can't really afford to focus on what's going on around you because you've only got 11 seconds to execute the race so if you're thinking as soon as your mind drifts you've lost the race I'd say it's like 50% mental when it comes to the hundreds so yeah I don't know I don't know what I'm thinking I'm kind of just like if you've seen my face before a race I'm I've got like the serious like look like I want to kill someone type face on <laughs> um really helps me get in the zone but no I don't know just I think it's through experience yeah, I think me and Esther always talk about how intense we find the track and that's racing like 5Ks. I mean, for me, it's like five and tens and Esther does some shorter distance stuff, but even just those distances on the track are intense, but I can't even imagine what it would be like when you only have 11 or less um, seconds to actually execute. It feels yeah. like it'd be a lot of pressure. Let's um Let's go back to your childhood. Can you tell us about what it was like for you growing up down in Taranaki and like, what do you think had the biggest impact on you with who you are today? Yeah, so I grew up in Stratford of Taranaki, which is a small little rural town in central Taranaki. Went to a rural school that had 150 kids, and that was from year one to eight. Uh, then moved to New Plymouth Girls High School as a boarder for five years. My family have always been super supportive of me and my sporting journey and just in anything that I wanted to do and I'm really lucky for that because I think they've played a massive role in where I am now in sport because they were never super pushy and they even said to me if I didn't want to continue with athletics and if I didn't enjoy it and there was no pressure to carry on which was super reassuring because from a young age uh, I was quite competitive in athletics and you shouldn't even be feeling pressure as a kid but you know as a kid you still do internalize pressure and it was reassuring from there and to hear that there was never any yeah any pressure to stay in it if I didn't want to sort of just lifted that weight off my shoulder that if I ever wanted to step away then the option was there but yeah it was it was a very I was very lucky with my upbringing and as I mentioned I 
was very sporty and they allowed me to do lots of different sports, which I'm also very grateful for. I think that's had an impact on how I've been brought up in sport because it gave me a lot of variety growing up. Did hockey, netball, basketball, surf lifesaving, athletics, volleyball, just to name a few. I was just that kid who loved to get involved in everything. <laughs> My summer sport was only athletics. I never did, did it in the winter until about, I uh, started to train for it maybe uh, around year 11 when I started to go to World Youths. But prior to that, I didn't really do a lot of training. It was mostly just like athletics days and ribbon days and things. It's awesome. Sounds like, yeah, you had a really wholesome sort of look at sport as you were as a junior, you know, playing lots of different sports and learning lots of different skills. And yeah, kudos to your parents for letting you just choose what you want to do and having that confidence that you're going to make the right decisions for you. Uh, what, what role do you think sport played in your life as a teenage girl? And how do you think sport has impacted who you've become today? Yeah, I, I was a super shy kid growing up. Uh, you'd struggle to get a peep out of me and so I feel like sport was that one outlet that I could go to and really feel my most confident self because it was something that I was really good at and I never really had any negative experiences with sport growing up I guess the one negative thing was the body image thing yeah well, we can definitely get into that now I know we were kind of chatting about this yesterday around your own experiences with body image and we always talk about like how incredible sport can be for young girls growing up, especially in a, as a teenager, when we feel there's a lot of pressure put upon us as a young girl and sport can kind of be that tool to allow us to build confidence in ourselves. But there is kind of that other side in sport where a lot of pressure comes around like what you look like and if you fit into the sport that you're playing based off what you look like and there are those stats around the survey that was done in New Zealand with the high-performing elite athletes and it came out that about 75% of these females who are the best of the best at what they do feel that pressure to look a different or a certain way for the sport that they, they play, which is insane. And for a lot of people looking at you, they probably just would imagine that you're super confident in your, in your body and you've always been that way. But is, mm. is that not the case? And like kind of what has your journey been like with body image? Yeah, I, well, I feel like it's probably fair to say, and, and let me know if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's probably fair to say that most females and especially females in running have dealt with body image struggles in some way, shape or form at some stage in their life. At least I've experienced that and have seen it in peers that are around me in the sport. And you, yeah, you mentioned yesterday at the business conference that the biggest fear men have is feeling weak, whilst for women it's how they look. And that's pretty crazy to, it was even crazy for me to hear that. But yeah, I, I feel like uh, when I was younger I, I was the type of person who could eat anything and it just wouldn't go anywhere I was I was stick thin and then I started to develop and mature and as I, as I was developing and maturing I was doing a lot less sport than what I was when I was younger and then things started to change a little bit and that's when social media was also sort of on the up and I, get, I feel like when you're young especially a young impressionable female teenager you are quite vulnerable to being influenced by those around you and feeling pressures to look a certain way, especially with what you're seeing on social media. And so I feel like I did sort of fall into that trap and was influenced around certain beliefs and habits around eating. Yeah, and then moved away from high school to university and was uh, in a hall where I was self-catered. So I had to look after myself and start cooking for myself. And that was an, another shift 
And yeah, I, I feel like I started to adopt eating a healthy way. We also talked about this yesterday that people have people have certain beliefs around eating healthy and what healthy foods are. And so I sort of adopted that belief and only ate whole foods and not really fueling properly for my sport and was also falling into the trap of feeling pressure to look a certain way for my sport. And this would especially get really bad around the time of competitions as we'd ease into the summer season. My weight would shift around that time to try and get more ideal skin folds or more ideal body weight for what I thought I had to look like, especially based on what you see at a world level and the peers around you. It was actually funny because I, well, it's not funny at all, but I like in the transition between the end of high school and moving to uni, I don't know if you remember this book around going sugar-free, but essentially went sugar-free, lost a ton of weight all at once uh, between that transition. And I thought it was really good because I'd dropped all of this weight, but I was just had no energy. Yeah. And that kind of carried on through to the beginning of when I started university, wasn't sugar-free anymore, but as I said, adopted the whole eating healthy mentality, not eating certain foods because they have too many calories in them and being quite conscious around how much energy I was consuming, assuming it was too much. Yeah, I remember that book. I remember there was a, a group of sprinters who I was talking to maybe this might have been like six years ago five or six years ago and they would their coach was like we're making you like making you all go sugar-free and he would like tell them they weren't allowed to eat certain fruits at certain times of the day and just like extremely uh intense behavior for people that are training at such a high level but anyone you know no one should mm. be that concerned about eating a piece of fruit and I always that stuck with me and yeah I, I do remember that sugar-free book it's so toxic mm. What that puts in your mind. I've only ever spewed once in training <laughs> and this was during the time of like being in the uh, the sugar-free phase that I was in which I think just reflects how how bad that was for me I was literally a zombie zombie turning up to training but I thought it was good because I, I had a low body weight that kind of carried on through to maybe a year yeah a year into my first year of uni and I remember there was one stage where after training James my coach pulled me aside and he he must have noticed that I'd either lost a lot of weight all at once or that I was not performing too well in the training like looking like I wasn't executing the session like I usually would or both and so he pulled me aside and he mentioned how in his time as an athlete that he he got his body weight down to what was considered the ideal skin fold range and during that time when he was in that ideal range he actually raced worse and felt a lot worse and that he learned from that to actually put on a little bit more weight to feel better and I remember him telling me this I think it was a subtle way of him saying you need to like look out for how much you're eating and be a bit more conscious and so that was I, I remember that because that's really stuck with me to this day him ha having that conversation with me and ever since then like I've always had had an interest in food and I was noticing throughout these all of these shifts in my life how much food was having an impact on not only my health but also my performance because during high school was also anemic and that sort of led to my interest in learning more about food and how it has an effect on performance and particularly in athletes which then led me to move from AUT to Massey and started a degree in nutrition.
So cool. And we're going to get into your startup soon, which is all about nutrition and your own lived experiences, which is awesome. But before we go there, you spoke about James and we also love James. He's actually been a guest on the podcast in the past. So if you haven't listened to that one, definitely go back and listen to the episode with James Mortimer. He is someone who lives and breathes the theory of feminine approaching women in a really holistic way. And it it really shows it works by the success that you and all of those other athletes are, are getting at the moment. Do you use your female physiology to your advantage and do you pay attention to your menstrual cycle? I know James speaks about it a bit, but is that something you personally do as well? Yeah, I track where I'm getting my period and track my symptoms and things, but I personally struggle more when I'm on my period. My symptoms are pretty mild leading into my period and then I start to get the cramps and things during my period and I feel like that's when my performance feels a lot worse, which is a little bit confusing for me because I'm told that that's usually when you're at your best, but I feel like that's when my performance goes down a little bit. But the other day, like, was feeling this exact thing um felt really crappy on day two of my period and finished a really hard session and I was actually meant to continue doing more and I ended up just calling it because I knew there was no point carrying on and was able to have that open conversation with James without it feeling awkward which is really important especially with males to understand what's going on as well and to not feel uncomfortable about having that conversation and it's really great that he's adopted the learning and the theory to be open to that conversation especially as a male Mm. I think with um the sort of training you do compared to something like Esther and myself and a lot Mm. of you do which is a much more endurance training and not such high intensity stuff do you see massive shifts in your cycle like from month to month depending on what racing and training you're doing like in terms of days between yeah Uh, I'm pretty consistent the only time I've seen like a larger than one to two day shift in the the amount of days that I get my period was when I traveled last year Mm. um that was I was delayed when I went over last year and I don't know if that had anything to do with time zones or stress and sleep because around that time I lost my bag and was jet lagged and potentially fueling a little bit different as well I'm not sure if you have any insight into whether travel has an effect on delaying your period or not but that's the only time I've seen a delay. Uh, yeah. Otherwise it's pretty consistent, which is, which is great. Cause then I can roughly know when to expect to get my period, especially around competitions and key dates. That's so good. That's something you should be so proud of. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I feel like this, maybe it was the stress of everything and travel is just in general, not fantastic for your body. No. <laughs> no. Some link there. Yeah, it's it's interesting as well. And you saying that you're impacted by your period. A lot of people are. Like I feel like although we say at Femi, like your hormones are low, like this is, could be a good time to train hard. We totally understand that like everyone is different. And I tend to feel a bit rubbish on day one and two. And some a lot mm-hmm. of women that I train feel rubbish too. And then come right like at the latter end of their period. So yeah, I feel like everyone's so unique, but it's just awesome that you track and you you know yourself and and you're keeping track of you know if your period's regular and how it impacts you that also feeds into the body image issue as well because you do well me personally I don't know about other females and how common it is but I get bloating around the time leading in and then during as well which again just sort of exacerbates the issue of body image and especially in a sport where you're exposed and you're wearing crop tops and things 
but I think as I've matured I've just grown to realize that the more I feel the better I feel and it doesn't actually matter how you look I'm running faster now carrying more weight than what I was years ago and trying to keep my body weight low definitely and if it's like the judgment you're scared from other people like if you're a bit bloated no one is going to notice you know but no exactly you're like you look a lot bigger than you normally would and everyone's staring at you and judging you for that but honestly no one even notices. exactly yeah yeah be the tiniest little shift but I know what you mean like my shorts get tighter and my sports bra feels tighter as well and it just feels weird and it feels Mm. different which can impact yeah the way you see yourself but yeah we all experience similar I think I'm really interested in this and obviously yeah like let's touched on before we're very endurance athletes and a lot of people that listen to the Femi podcast are endurance athletes and you're obviously like the most fast twitch athlete on the planet so it's, it's kind of very different to us I would love or if you could talk us through a week of your current training schedule and, and like how it's structured yeah so Mondays what's well, all a bit all over the place at the moment now that we're leading into competitions kind of having to adjust around when the competitions are and add an extra recovery but a typical training week would be Mondays a uh, acceleration-based sessions that's including like sleds and then blocks Tuesdays is what we call a recovery type session but it's actually sometimes my more hard session because it involves a little bit more endurance which is not my strong point (laughs) so like that could include maybe 120s or 150s multiple reps depending on what the focus is whether we're in winter or summer so winter would be more reps and less recovery summer would be less reps and more recovery so the intensity is higher after the track session then I do gym and then Wednesday is a full rest day Thursday is speed session that's like flying speed Friday morning gym Friday afternoon is recovery so like often that'll be pool or doing form runs and like mobility and things Saturday is like our go day so that's our key session for the week and that's it's different every time but it might be like a 60 70 80 90 and at like 95%, depending on what the recovery is as well, what the focus is, whether it's off-season or in-season, the recovery is adjusted in the intensity as well. Wow, that sounds um, so intense, but yeah. fun. it's <laughs> more fun than training for a marathon. It's like Monday you run, Tuesday you run, Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I envy with distance running is that you can kind of do it from anywhere. You don't actually need to commute to a track. And then the other thing is, us having to rest in between it takes up so much more time whereas like distance running you can kind of just bang it out all at once I always think that when I was training with the Bays babes and we'd like come in we'd do like a pretty decent session and we'd leave and you guys all just like lying on the track and different like (laughs) lactic airs and are probably only halfway through your session (laughs) yeah people probably look at us though and like for a typical Thursday session it could be sometimes just like three times flying 30 and then that's it and like distance runners probably come and watch us do that session and we look probably dead and they're like why are they dead they've run three 30 meter <laughs> runs and they're tired <laughs> oh it would be fun and there's definitely days and times where I look at sprinters and I'm like well, I, I wish I went down that path but I definitely put <laughs> some muscle fibers for that but what is your um what does your gym workouts look like you're obviously doing some like fun different sort of movements in the gym yeah, I, I'm really lucky with 
having access to Simon Chatterton and even Angus Ross, he's in the high performance system as well and has been behind some of the theory that we've been implementing in the gym. Off season is a lot of eccentric work. We've also started to implement a bit more isometric work and that's to do with my stride length. During the rehab process, I was doing a lot of isometrics as well to rehab the hammy. And then as we ease into the summer, that's when things started to start to lighten up and get a bit more ballistic and fast whilst still trying to add a little bit of load to not lose all of all of the work that we've put in in the off season. And I feel like one thing that we've learnt over the past few years is that completely easing off all of the intensity and all of the load ends up making my performance plateau. And so I'm actually quite good under load. So just keep dropping in the odd hard session is good for me. And I often do gym the day before competition as well. Just like the activation. Crazy. That's so cool. Definitely keep the videos of like your workouts in the gym coming because I think that stuff is so interesting. I mm. feel like people get inspired by it. Yeah. I'm also conscious though as well of like sharing too much of Simon and the other team's IP because I don't know what can and can't be shared. It's the magic source. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's chat about your app and your um, startup ethos. So there are so many similarities between being a, an athlete and being a founder. And Esther and I chat about that all the time, you know, taking risks, learning to fail, being bold and confident in yourself and what you're doing. You have the, your own startup. I think it's only been maybe a year or so in the making, but what made you get into building a startup and how are you finding it so far? Uh, what got me into it? I was actually studying in my second to last semester of my university degree, um, Bachelor of Science in Human Nutrition, and I was studying for the exams and bumped into a friend who was with someone else and they they were starting up Nourish Nutrition which is the sister company of Athos and we just got chatting she was doing her master's in nutrition and found out that I was an athlete and at the time was thinking about starting up the sister company Athos and so they got in contact with me and it kind of just kicked off from there and I'd always wanted to start something in athlete space whether it be private um, consultations myself or starting a business and so I felt like that was a great way to step in and start something with a team of other people. Things have been quite slow moving in, in terms of what I've been able to produce just because of where my priorities sit with athletics at the moment and I kind of had to learn that the hard way through getting injured. Part of that was having way too much on my plate at the end of last year so that was a big learning but just doing what I can outside of athletics and putting in as much as time allows essentially and it's about keeping that balance for me I think I do best on the track when I've also got something going on outside of athletics and for me it's about having something there and a passion outside of athletics so that when it does come time to retire I've got something to continue and it's really cool to be connected to the athlete space and once I do retire then I will stay connected to that area which is something that I'm really passionate about I would love to help other athletes out there in their nutrition journey and know how much it has an impact on your performance as an athlete and your health as well. That's so cool. So cool. And it's yeah, really important for athletes, especially someone competing at such a high level like yourself, to have something to step into eh, when you finish up your sport. It's quite a common story. Athletes not really 
focusing on things outside of their sport and then struggling after they retire. So it's really mm-hmm. good got such passions aligned and it's still highly linked to sport, which means you'll always, you know, be part of the sporting world. But yeah, can you tell us a little bit more about Athos and how is it different to other nutrition apps that are out there? Yeah, so we have created a tool that is meant to make nutrition a bit more intuitive and it's a tool that helps athletes to plan and track their goals. It also helps them track their performance as well so they can do check-ins and it also allows them to connect in with a nutritionist who can help them with their plan on the app. When they're connected with a nutritionist, it allows an app messaging so that they can get more on-the-go help because often when you go to a nutritionist or traditional nutrition consultation, you'd go for an hour and then you're left with information overload coming away from that nutrition consultation. And it's really hard to know how to actually implement that nutrition in day-to-day life. And especially as an athlete with, with so many things going on in your life, no day I feel like is ever consistent. And especially changing training loads and just changing schedules all the time with travel and competitions and things. So we've created a tool that accounts for all of that and creates templates to make it easier for the athlete when it comes to planning their nutrition. Um, That's the biggest thing I think is simplifying nutrition because it doesn't need to be overcomplicated. And then it also allows them to tap into the nutritionist where they need help. But the goal is to create a tool that they can tap into that nutritionist, but the end goal is to become independent and for them to learn through the process of the app and the tool to become independent themselves and only tap into the nutritionist when they need. So cool. There's definitely so much like misinformation and just information in general around nutrition and food out there, you know, and it can be super overwhelming knowing like what actually to do, what Mm. actually works. We've spoken about our own kind of like journeys with nutrition and, and dieting and it's all linked into body image, which we were speaking about earlier. And I mean, you even talked about your own kind of nutrition journey earlier, but now that you're obviously an elite athlete, you're studying nutrition and now you're building a tool for people to manage their own nutrition. How do you manage your relationship with food now? Like, is it different to how you used to? Like, where are you at in your own kind of nutrition journey? I simply just feel now to feel good. My approach when I was younger was thinking I had to have a certain number of meals or a certain plate size each day and wasn't matching my energy output I was only eating those foods because I thought I had to (laughs) which is nuts but now I I purely just eat like if I'm in an off-season training phase then I'll eat a lot more because we're obviously burning a lot more energy um, and we need that for recovery not feeling guilty anymore about having snacks and even if I'm still not full after the first snack and reaching for a second or a third if I need it and not being worried about the calorie number I wasn't counting or anything but I was also conscious of like in the back of my mind how much I was eating but yeah I don't think about that anymore at all and yeah I'm a lot stronger now and my performance has skyrocketed so I feel like it's made a massive difference Mm, that's so true and we can both account to that Liz and I have both been down that track and our performance took an absolutely terrible turn and then when you eat heaps and you feel feel your body you end up running so much better Mm-hmm. or sprinting so much better so yeah so true uh it's obvious like how much you want to give back to others and you're such an amazing role model for many women I know so many young girls would look up to you 
and be inspired by you being the fastest sprinter in Australia and New Zealand's ever seen. So absolutely incredible. But we know that young girls are dropping out at two times the rate of young boys. And it's something that we're really passionate about at Femi. What can we do and society do in your eyes to improve this stat? Even if you think back to yourself as a young girl, what were certain things that maybe could have changed or experiences that you went through that could have potentially led you to dropping out of sport, but luckily you didn't. And obviously we're very happy that you didn't. But yeah, what do you think society can do and we can do to improve this step? No, I think one thing is education, definitely. And then also I think it's important to surround yourself with people who are open to understanding what it is that females need to continue in sport what females need is probably very different to what males need and you need to surround yourself with positive uplifting people who are willing to um, guide you through that journey and I feel like that's why I keep alluding back to my parents because they were super supportive Um, I never felt any pressure and I feel like pressure is an end game for a lot of kids who are wanting to continue in the sport becomes too much and then their priorities start to shift elsewhere as they move on to university the body image thing as well there needs to be a lot more conscious thought around that and just I think as well being a high performance athlete understanding how much of an impact you as an influential person are having on the younger people and being conscious about how you speak and what you're putting out there on social media as well yeah there comes a lot of responsibility when you are good and successful especially in sport and I mean a lot of young girls look up to you but you're doing such an incredible job I feel like you're a very mentally stable person and you're putting such a great image out there for young girls to be inspired by and aspire to be like. And um, we're very lucky to have you. And I think you've definitely been through your own challenges, but it's been so amazing to just see you like continue to push through, never throw your toys out of the cot. You're always <laughs> just like head down, bum up and just do what you need to do to just keep progressing. It's like, honestly, so amazing. And um, yeah, you've even, you know, inspired Esther and myself, and I'm sure many of the Femi community will be super inspired by you as well. We've got two very quick fire questions to finish up. The first one being, what would you say to your younger self if you could go back to, say, your 15-year-old self? Believe in yourself. I had the worst self-belief. It's crazy looking back now. I think I knew deep down that I had a lot of talent, but it was really hard for me growing up in a non-traditional sport because there was a lot of common belief around me and a lot of people telling me as well that you can't succeed on the international stage as a sprinter from New Zealand. So I'm the type of person who uh, I feel like I go against the grain and want to prove people wrong. And I'm glad that I stuck to my guns because it's paid off and yeah, just to just to truly back myself, I feel like that's the one thing that I lacked. I say that sport gave me confidence, but I didn't have that confidence to actually take it to the next level, if you know what I mean. Okay. There was a, a lot of inner self-doubt. <laughs> well, even just to hear that from you, because I think a lot of people think they don't have confidence and then almost give up on themselves, you know. So the fact that you like grew that confidence in yourself over time is awesome. But I think the other thing is you've got to actually love what you're doing. And I love athletics and that's why I've stuck with it. So as long as you're loving what you're doing, that's all that really matters. And I've always performed my best when I'm happy and healthy and having fun. So that's probably the other thing. If your performance isn't going well, then always reflect on why you're doing something. And the most important thing is having fun. 
Yeah, so true. And I just ask a quick question following that. How's your self-belief now? I feel like I know the answer to that, but I would love to hear. <laughs> it's a lot better now. And I think I'm the type of person who has to see success to believe it. And the last two weekends have definitely grown my confidence a lot. And yeah, it's pretty wild to think that I've managed to crack, crack the sub-11, especially like, as I said, just growing up with the common belief around me that you can't be successful as a sprinter in New Zealand. So to break that notion is, is cool. And I hope it inspires more to get involved in sprinting in Oceania and New Zealand, especially. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it will. What, what, just quickly on that, what's your next goal? Like, I know you just cracked the 11, but like, what's next? A big thing for me, like life goal has been to make the Olympics. So that first and foremost, I think it's been since the 70s that we've had a 100 meter sprinter compete in the Olympics, which is just absolutely wild to think, you know, we need that for the younger generations to show that it is a sport that we can do well in. So that's the, the biggest goal. And then I would love to make the Olympic final and to get a Commonwealth Games medal. So Shivers, I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> The last fire question is, uh, it's just a short one. Um, what's your purpose on Mother Earth? I feel like my biggest reflection and the successes I've had has always been in, like, the most joy I get has been from the journey it's taken to get somewhere. And so if I can inspire more people to make their own breakthroughs and just continue chipping away and to even just get involved in athletics and sport in general, um, no matter what their constraints um, I feel like that's my purpose to yeah help inspire them on their pathway so cool well you're 100% doing that and um, we're very grateful for you your time today but also just what you're doing for the sport of athletics and for running and yeah inspiring other young girls around Aotearoa as well so thank you um, thank you for your time we will be tagging Zoe into our show notes. So definitely go ahead and give Zoe a follow, follow her journey. She's absolutely incredible. We'll also tag Athos, her start into um, the show notes as well. So definitely go and check that out. But in the meantime, if you have any feedback, you can get in touch with us on Instagram at femi.co or head to our website, femi.co. And Esther and I will be back in your ears next week. Thank you. Thank you, Zoe. Thank you. What? <laughs>